Hello, everyone, and welcome to Belief Beat, conversations about things that matter with people that matter. This is a podcast out of Unity Lutheran Church in Brookfield, Wisconsin. I'm Muriel. I'm your host for today, and we are here to talk about all things music. It's a broad topic, um, but music has this wonderful way of weaving itself into all the different aspects of our lives, um, our daily life, our family life, um, our justice work. Um, for many people, their professional work, and of course, our faith. So to talk about all of those things, I've got three wonderful guests with me. One will be familiar to most of us, two new friends. Molly Poofall-Brown is here. She's been our choir director at Unity, um, going on her sixth year. And Molly brought in two of her friends and colleagues from the musical world. So we are very honored to also have musician Ethan Keller and pastor slash musician uh, John Gasco with us. So Molly, John, Ethan, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Reverend. Yeah, we are super glad you're here. And all three of them have just fascinating life stories. So I'm gonna take a little bit of time uh, to introduce them to you all and let, let the three of you introduce yourselves. So John, let's start with you. You're a minister at a small church out in North Carolina, Trinity Presbyterian. Um, and then in past lives, you did lots of gigging, right? In Chicago, um, you did jazz gigs. You did lots of weddings and funerals playing classical guitar. You were in a rock band and you're now juggling music and work and three kids. Um, so just tell us, tell us briefly, John, um, just about yourself and what, what you've been up to these last three months. Well, I swore that uh, music was my calling. Uh, I played in church. I was kind of like the praise band leader for a bunch of years. Uh, my wife was the bass player. And we had like a 60-year-old grandma on the drums. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. But we had this, uh, you know, all-inclusive vibe. So we'd have like someone playing the double bass and someone playing the electric bass and someone playing the djembe and someone playing the, the set and someone playing the triangle. <laughs> like uh, that's that's kind of how things started uh, integrating and weaving together for, for me. It's great. Joyful noise, joyful chaos. And then how long have you been a pastor? Um, going on seventh year which will mean I get a sabbatical soon. Congratulations. <laughs> you have a sabbatical plan. I would think it might involve music or just nap time. Um, I don't know yet. COVID-19 has kind of thrown all the plans into a whirlwind. Yep, absolutely. Well, thank you for including us and time with us in the whirlwind. Oh, it's, it's so good to have you, John. Yeah, thank you. And Ethan, you are a musician by trade, although you signed the lease yesterday on a new business making cider, which uh, I, for one, am very excited about. And you're also a father. Um, but of all the a million uh, intriguing things you told us about yourself, uh, you also told us that your dad was a priest and your mom was a nun. So <laughs> you're just going to have to tell us how, how you came to be. <laughs> Well, there are these two bees. <laughs> well, We're going to need a much longer podcast for that conversation. 
So, uh, yeah, that's, um, I don't always like to introduce myself like that. Hey, my dad was a priest and my mom was a nun, but don't bunch, you know. Oh, well, you certainly caught my attention because your dad was a monk, right? Was he a Franciscan monk? He was. He's, he followed St. Francis. He was a Capuchin and uh, he lived a very ascetic life for a minute and um, had he owned nothing, you know, he, not even the habit that he wore. So that was always um, kind of in the back of my mind. But he eventually met my mom when she was working at the nunnery. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. <laughs> do you work at the nunnery? I suppose you do lots of good work at the nunnery. So, but um, he was the local, he was a traveling uh, preacher. He would give um, retreats and things like that. So, um, and my mom who was under a vow of silence, you can't really talk to anybody at the convent when you're under a vow of silence, except, you know, mother superior and, or the, resident priest who's there for the weekend or whatever and so but i i just found out last year that my mom actually opened the door when she was sweeping the vestibule and my dad rang the bell at the convent so it's a, a kind of a romantic story if you will but <laughs> i love it what a <laughs> what a great origin story and then tell us how music ended up working its way into your life Music has always been in my life. I remember my mother singing to me as a baby and then, you know, hearing music in, in church as a kid and hearing it on the radio and in grade school. And um, But it wasn't until, I remember a babysitter when I was seven taught me a two-handed thing on piano and that was really fun. To, to this day, it's one of, the, <laughs> one of the most complicated things I can still play on the piano. It's like this rag <laughs> thing. And then, but eventually when I was 13, my dad bought me an electric bass and I, picked up that really quick and went to guitar real quick and started writing original music when I was about 15 years old and um, have been lucky to tour all over the country, play, you know, over 30 states, just playing original music and, you know, covers too, but um, kind of being a jack of all trades, being able to do solo shows, do um, original band shows, hire the horn section at Summerfest or I can just play the solo guy as a wallflower in the wine bar or something yeah. like that. Um, I'm pretty blessed because I remember when I was younger, I asked, you know, maybe I prayed to God and said, well, if I can just do something that I love, like playing music and just kind of, if, even if I just have a basic life and can make ends meet by playing music, then I'll be satisfied. And that's exactly what God has given me. So. That's awesome. It sounds like you have awesome uh, family in the background, too. Yeah, no, it's not my family, but that's, she's funny. She, awesome. Someone <laughs> in the background. Well, and um, just for everybody who's listening, Ethan told us earlier that he plays uh, every genre except Chinese opera. So folk, funk, rock, hey. jazz, and um, didn't want to toot his own horn, but has has won several local awards and even a national award for his music. So thank you for being here, Ethan. No offense to any Chinese citizens <laughs> who love, love uh, opera, I'm for real. <laughs> that could be your next your next challenge. Right, right. Trying uh -oh. to be glad yeah. you're here, Ethan. Thanks a lot. Uh, yeah. And Molly, you are known and loved by so many in our church. Um, most recently you've been just so instrumental in helping us keep music alive even while we can't do music live together in church. So for those of you listening, many of us um, have been just marveled at these four-piece acapella tracks that Molly has been putting together for church services where she sings all four parts. Um, but your music work at Unity is just the tip of the iceberg of 
who you are musically. Um, will you tell the Unity folks some other stuff that you've been up to and managed to squeeze in um, mm. between parenting your three wonderful girls? Yeah. So doing voice lessons privately, I do that. Um, and then the church choir at church. Um, also gigging or singing jazz when it's um, when I can do it and when it's available, um, which has been very limited as of the last couple months, but that's okay. Um, and then um, started a children's choir at my kids' school, which um, took off kind of like wildfire. So I'm sort of trying to keep up with that momentum and just feeling kind of called to um, reach people with the use of the human voice, especially here in the Bayview neighborhood, because I feel like there's um, sort of a little, it's a really artistic community that's within Milwaukee, but I feel like um, it needs, it, there's, there's room for growth, especially in the world of using your voice um, and singing and stuff. So playing around with that a lot here in Bayview. Yeah. It's wonderful. And it's really cool, you know, as a non-music person, it's it's both interesting and inspiring to me the ways, such a wide variety of ways that the three of you have managed to work music into um, your personal life, but also your work life. Uh, and that's just, that's just a really cool kind of integrity that you have to your passions. Um, I know we've all been, so much is happening in our world, but we've all been watching the unfolding of the racial justice movement all of the protests that have been going on. And I think for a lot of us, um, music is rooted not just to like leisure or pleasure, but also part of making sense of our world and, and giving meaning to our lives and making change. Uh, so I wondered if you guys have any thoughts about how you've been processing the racial justice efforts with regards to music. And John, I know you had said that you had some thoughts on that. Do you wanna start? Sure. Uh, so I live in North Carolina, which is um, the proud home of Dr. William Barber, who had the moral march uh, on Washington virtually today, if anybody's a Poor People's Campaign um, follower. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just interesting to see how these movements of justice and everything that COVID-19 has exposed from health disparities um, to poverty, which mainly impacts communities of color, how this movement is uh, accompanied by music. You know, like someone will speak, uh, two or three people will speak, and then there's, there's a, a moment for somebody to sing. And, uh, you know, if we, if we look at movements of liberation throughout history, even movements of liberation throughout the Bible, you know, like what's the first thing the Israelites do when they cross over the Red Sea? Uh, Miriam grabs her tambourine and she sings. Or what's the first thing when the announcements of Jesus's birth comes? What does Mary do? You know, she sings and she borrows lyrics from uh, other women in the Old Testament. So there's just this beautiful sense of, of music always accompanying and sustaining uh, efforts for equity and justice um, through creativity and compassion and community. So 
What do y'all think? Yeah, I love that. And I love, that's just a great point. I mean, many cool things about the Bible, but one cool thing is that it just gives us a snapshot centuries and centuries back and music has been such a constant. Do you, um, do you see with your, your views on racial justice, does that shape um, any like goals or desires you have in your musical pursuits? Well, I love playing the blues. And uh, I remember in seminary, I read about James Cone, who's a liberation theologian. He once said that, you know, the, uh, it can be a misappropriation to play the blues as a white person. Um, there's just a, there's something missing. And I always noticed that when I would play, I would be like the only white kid playing in in gospel choirs and and I would like go to these churches because I was just like there's something missing inside of me that mm -hmm. they're speaking to that I just don't know how to tap into and what is it what is it what is it and finally you know I after reading his book and what he had to say I was I was blown away by the truth that um, you know we're not really playing the blues unless we own our part in the story and connect to some form of lament. And so I just, uh, I put that down for a while and I'm just trying to decenter myself as best I can to try to allow space for other voices to speak and for me to actually feel what is happening and what the voices are saying in unedited ways. Mm -hmm. So that's been, Re over the last few months that's been really important for me to, as a as a spiritual discipline and as a, a way of forming my own voice through music yeah good for you for doing that work and that's just such a good reminder that you know there are so many ways that we're just better together right when we are together with all kinds of people from all walks of life and one of the ways is musically we all have different mm. musical stories to contribute thanks john and Molly, um, you had thought that this would be a, a really interesting topic to talk yeah. about. What, what were you thinking around this? Well, I was just thinking two things. One is how um, profound music can be in maintaining unity amidst people that seemingly have nothing in common. Um, I always think like when there is political strife or... Um, um, you know, strife and tension in like a career setting or something. I always just think, I wish we could just make everyone in this situation right now have to like be in a choir together, <laughs> or I wish we could just make everyone in this situation have to be in a band together. Like you would just really figure out how, how like valuable you are, but also how un like how much more valuable other people's perspectives around you are and how much stronger as a, united group you can be and when i see protests that are going on you know even just a block and a half away from here um and see how music is being used in that and how it just creates almost for me like a sense of safety in something that would be so foreign like a protest i've not really been a part of since 2011 in madison and um you know, it's a different situation now with three young kids and stuff, but it's like, wow, just hearing that music is like, okay, that's, that's kind of comfort. And that's something that anybody can, can, um, 
I guess, link to or feel like they understand, even if they don't understand the full concept of everything else going around that's associated with it. Um, so how profound it can be in uniting such various differencing backgrounds. And then it's interesting to hear you talk about the blues, John, because I've thought about profound musical experiences I've had. And a lot of them, um, if I look back, are situations where I um, was clearly a minority in the in the situation. I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a minority by definition, but, um, you know, attending like an an all black church on the South side of Chicago for a gospel group that I really liked singing take six. Um, and I can, it was probably 4,000 people there and, and I could count on two hands at most, the amount of white people that were there and like how much of a profound that experience was for me to be such an outsider seemingly, but never feeling so, um, so the same in terms of like all being there to love something that was clearly speaking to us on many different levels. Um, and even in grad school, being in, you know, singing in the jazz band, the only girl on the bus with 20 plus guys and, and a lot of them minorities. Um, but like, those are all really profound experiences that have left some influence on me. Um, but then also grappling with the, well, where do I fit into this? Because I'm a white girl and uh, I love jazz and jazz did not come from white girls. So, or blues, it's like, how do you how do you do it without misappropriation and how do you um truly get at you know the heart of what it is that is trying to be conveyed musically it's a mystery still but no i just i really appreciate how deeply you all think about music and your role in it and its role in your life molly i'm curious um just you know with in some ways, this is a really divisive time. And in some ways, these last few months, both COVID and racial justice, and in some ways, it's been a really uniting time. Do you see it? Has it been more one or the other? And, and has music pushed it in either direction? Pushed, pushed COVID or pushed racial justice into? Pushed our sense of either community togetherness or separateness. Well, we're forced to be separate right now, right? You know, majority. But um, I have seen a lot of interesting or fun collaborations of people or fellow musicians online, just trying to get that sense of community that I think a lot of us thrive on and don't realize until it's taken away from you. So whether it's through the acapella app and trying to record something with some fellow musicians locally or distance wise, um, or creating like, um, you know, a lot of I think a lot of my best like music making experiences have come out of more emotionally taxing or traumatic experiences or, or you know, something that's just mentally um, difficult. So I think it's unifying um, because it's, it's something we can still do and, and do together, even if it is at a distance, but it's different. It's just different. Yeah, it is definitely different, but I think a, probably a, a worthy goal to be, I mean, I hear, both of you talking about trying like wrestling to find the balance between being united and having community, but also respecting everyone's different voices. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, we're not a big homogenous bubble and then that's a good thing. Right. Well, so, uh, Ethan, what about you? Have current events changed the way that you have been doing music or thinking about music at all? 
Well, yeah, since the pandemic hit, uh, my full-time music career went to a very small percentage of time music career, which is not much of a career <laughs> lately, but um, which, which is sad um, to say the least because it's, mo I mean, it's what I've been doing most of my life for 25 years. Um, not that I've done other things. I've had all kinds of good odd jobs and I'm lucky to be um, employed right now working for somebody who's, you know, generous and um, I fell into a good um, employment situation right as this, um, right as the coronavirus pandemic took away all my summer gigs. I mean, I'm still, I'm getting a couple in here and there, but now, you know, I'm still getting cancellations on, you know, this beer garden and that gig and this place. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's been kind of rough. Um, the transition into a new thing. Um, and as far as the racial justice movement goes, I, I'm really, well, I'm very privileged to say, and I use that word deliberately privileged, that um, I've gotten to do what I've gotten to do creatively. So um, there was a point in time where I was kind of on one side of the political spectrum. This was, you know, five or six years ago. And then I did kind of a a quick switch over to the other side of the political spectrum because I had some friends bring to my attention, bring to light some of the racial justice issues in this country. So uh, one thing that I've learned by working with indigenous people and other people of color for the past five or six years is that music, there's a spirituality in music and there's a spirituality in social justice and there's, and every movement needs that dose of spirituality because mm -hmm. even if there's people in the movement and that aren't spiritual, they have to come to terms with the fact that some of the people, in fact, a lot of the people, maybe most of the people that are in that movement do it because they feel a spiritual conviction. In fact, you could argue that people that don't have a spiritual conviction get into social justice because that is their spiritual conviction. Right. Yeah. And so, I totally agree with that. I, I look at, um, you know, being a, being a so-called uh, Christian, I think that the Christian movement is inherently a social justice movement. I mean, the, 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 the stories that, um, the number of stories where Jesus introduced the women in the, in the parables to, to hit his 12 over the head with a hammer um, because they just didn't get what they, the, 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 the men of the time didn't understand what it was like to be a, a, um, a second-class citizen. And so they just didn't have the perspective. So when Jesus was continually introducing women into the gospel stories, I think this is the core of what it means to be in a social justice movement, is to not just stick up for the least of these, but let the least of these actually have the microphone. So... Yeah, so as an ally, as a white ally, I've developed kind of some things that I believe that are the right things to do when you're doing advocacy. And one of the main things to do is amplification. Just turn up the volume, you know? So it's, it's weird trying to get back around in a full circle and incorporate all these ideas. Yeah, I think for me, it's all tied together. And, you know, I love the idea of everything that's being connected. We're very everybody's integral to one another. Like, like Molly said, if you could actually find that your, your enemy or the person on the other side of the aisle and get them in a band with you, and it would be a perfect way to understand somebody's expression free of judgment. 
Um, so I, I really like that idea, Molly. That's really awesome. <laughs> Worldwide band. This is great. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just so interesting to me. You know, so many of us, um, and, and in some ways I'm like this, we have our different buckets of our life, right? Like we have our work bucket and we have our, like our hobbies and art making bucket. And then we have our, our religion and faith bucket. And it just seems like the ways that you all have been able to, to bridge them, you know, your volunteerism bucket, your, your justice work and values bucket. Every time you're able to, to build bridges between multiple buckets, each one is the better for it. So it's just cool to hear all about those intersections. And uh, John, I'm, you know, you're also professionally faithful uh, as a pastor. How does, how does your spirituality fit into your music? Professionally faithful. Yep. I get paid to pray. I, I remember in seminary, uh, a professor told me that he had this vision that he could see me behind uh, the pulpit with my guitar. And then so what I, I started doing every once in a while is uh, creating um, what I call sermon songs, where I play my guitar and I'll preach a little bit and then I'll sing a refrain or uh, a verse of a, a song I wrote or you know, something like that, that um, it just, it provides a different layer. You know, music, if you ever watch a movie without the, the score, it's not very interesting. <laughs> um, and it's actually the score that creates the emotion more than the visual parts of the scene. So, you know, during the sermon songs, people, I think they would want me to do one every week if I could but uh, it's just not possible because, I mean, there's special moments, right? So I think that that is one way that um, music made its way into, into uh, the ministry, part of what I do. I love that, thank you. Molly, any thoughts on spirituality and music? If you jump back and forth between between both those two worlds all the time and maybe they're not even two separate worlds yeah I, I keep thinking about why when I'm in this first of all in the time of COVID when I felt compelled to make some recordings and try you know multi-tracking some stuff it's like why were why were all the songs that I was initially instinctively interested in like spiritually or gospelly based in the sound um and I I don't know if I have a full answer to that to that other than it just speaks really powerfully to me and it wasn't even like I wanted to do um you know it wasn't like I was intentionally trying to pick like hymn text or churchy text or religious based text it's just that's what's always been really powerful to me and so to be able to play around with that and make make music with a some some underlying you know twinge of related to faith uh speak was what i kept coming back to so that i guess that's how music has been a part of my or making music that's how i've been making music lately is just using a lot of gospel sounding music and text um i don't know why i mean it's been interesting it makes sense that you know the three of you as musicians that music would play such a, a big role in 
figuring things out, like all the changes with COVID and everything with racial justice. But I, I don't think that's just musicians. Like I think so many of us, um, when life got really, really hard this last stretch, we've turned to music. I think of the Italians singing from yeah. their balconies to each other. I often, when I'm talking about the gospel stories, I often enough bring up St. Paul when they're debating about speaking tongues in the church. And they say, oh, what about glossolalia in the church? And he says, well, basically, yeah, you can do that. That's fine. That's good. That edifies the church, whatever. But if people outside the church are walking by, they're not going to understand what you're saying. And they're going to think they're just going to walk on by. They're going to be like, oh. and you and I have probably maybe have been to those kinds of churches where you don't know what's going on. People are dancing up and down the aisle. Somebody's speaking in a language or something you don't understand. And not to diminish people who are inspired, but he's saying simply, if people don't understand what you're saying, then how are they going to be interested? You know, and he says, if you speak openly, if you prophesy, basically, if you just tell the truth, you just stand up at the ambo or uh, the pulpit and say that what's honestly on your mind, he'll say, well, the people will fall on their face and they'll be convicted and they'll, they'll say, oh my gosh, God is in these people, you know, like. And so I think that's a, that's a key thing, especially when we're talking about music, that it has to be rather honest. And if it's not honest and people can't hear it or can't tell what you're saying or singing, then it's not going to reach them. And that's, that's a really sad thing for people who really who want to do music, but they can't reach their audience. Yeah, that's kind of sad. I don't know why I just went to that sad place. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's really interesting that you bring that up, Ethan, because... Um... You know, there's another another story. I, I think that's thinking of passage from Corinthians. Um, but another <laughs> book of the Bible right close to Corinthians is the book of Acts. And there's the story of all of these people from all over the world are gathered. Everybody's talking in their own language, but still somehow they're able, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to understand each other. And I, that, I mean, thinking about everything you all have shared, that would be music at its best that you know, we don't have to steal someone else's voice or try and fit in. We get to speak our own, our own voice, our own music, our own truth. But there's something about music that means that even people who that's not their story, they can get it and, and they can feel the emotions and, and still connect with us. So, so I love that vision for you know, a worldwide band, everybody's in it together and, and what a great way to kind of balance our our unity and our diversity. We are just about out of time. So anyone have parting words for uh, the people at Unity? Anything you want them to be thinking of, reflecting on music and faith and justice wise over this next stretch? John, any last thoughts? Um, I think everything that y'all said was, was really great. And, uh, and being honest about where we are, I think, is a huge part of it, as Ethan said. Um, we're in a space right now where there's something uh, agitating us and disrupting our system. And, uh, you know, it's just like one of the, my favorite uh, personalities of the Holy Spirit is the agitator. <laughs> that you know, gets it. under our skin and pokes at us until our ears are open and our heart breaks a little more. So I think 
I think if we can allow this time to uh, shape us in a way that we can just be truthful about what's going on and try to use music as a way of, of uh, listening to what other voices are saying, I think we can all somehow come together uh, in a fresh new way that will come a little bit closer to that sense of uh, what Jesus calls the kingdom or what St. Paul says, it's the new creation. So I'd say keep at it because this is, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon that is a lifelong journey. And I think we're all learning things about ourselves and music has a way of creating a safe sanctuary space for us to be honest about those feelings and what, what we're going through in our lives. Amen. Thanks, John. Ethan, parting words of wisdom? Mm. Well, music, um, music has kind of come and gone for me in some ways, even though it's strangely that it's a career of mine, but I, I've decided that it's not everything in the world, that it's part of the world, that it's a vehicle, but it doesn't, um, it's not everything you are. But if you let it be a spiritual part in your life, like it was for in the Psalms and things like that. I think it, it's, I've rediscovered that music is medicine. Um, so I've been trying to treat it like that lately. Very concrete way to be part of God's liberation. Thanks, Ethan. All right, Molly, take us home. It's your parting message for the people yeah. of beauty and whoever else happened to jump onto this podcast this week. So, so maybe a little less concrete than bailing someone out of jail, but I think encouraging yourself to always put yourself in situations where you are not totally comfortable is really important. And I'm, I, you know, it, even with my kids and my husband, um, I am always quote unquote preaching, even though I don't preach, preaching that you need to make sure that you're putting yourself in positions where you aren't the best at something or where you aren't really comfortable, where you aren't always totally safe. Like it's just such a good reminder to remember what other people can feel like all, almost all the time. And for you to just have that little dose of what it's like to not be totally comfy, to not be the best, to not be totally safe. Like it's very important. And I'm trying to really, um, over the last couple months, especially as we've gotten into the racial justice um, protests lately, I've tried to remind myself to um, speak up when I feel like I can speak up. And it doesn't have to be agitating in someone's face to go back to the agitator, but to, to speak up and to know that my voice matters too. And it doesn't have to be people speaking on behalf of me all the time. But, um, you know, if you see something that's not, not right, or if you see political discussion or, or religious discussion or any discussion on social media, and you feel like you want to say something, you don't have to be a bully, but you can, you can stick up for something that you don't see is happening that that is appropriate or okay or fair to everybody. So I'm trying to be a little less afraid to do that. And um, that's one way I'm probably putting myself in positions where I don't always feel comfortable. Yeah. So good for mindful you. of that. That's wonderful. Oh man, thank you to each one of you for sharing such good thoughts. Thanks for your voices and for the ways you're using your voice to, as Ethan says, amplify the voices of others. What a, what a worthy, worthy pursuit and worthy calling. And um, yeah, may all of your words inspire me and, and anybody who's listening to do the same and to weave music and faith 
and values into everything that we do. Yeah, absolutely. So we better sign off, but thank you so much to John, Ethan, and Molly for being with us for this week's episode of Belief Beat. Uh, thanks to all of you who have been listening in, and we'll come back uh, the following Tuesday with a new conversation with some more people who matter talking about things that matter. But for now, God bless everyone, and we hope that you take a little bit of your own voice and use it to make the world more beautiful this week. Bye for now.